Welcome to I Need Some Air. Bending. A last airbender fan cast from someone who's seen the show before. And someone who has not. I'm Landon Ferguson. And I'm Michael Williams. So, in this episode, Amashu has been captured by the Fire Nation. Aang and Sokka and Katara, they sneak into the city to try and find King Bumi, and they are nearly captured, but Sokka manages to, to fake a deadly illness called Pentapox to scare off the Fire Nation guards. While they're in there, they encounter the local resistance movement. They manage to assist them in escaping from the city of Omashu by faking the illness uh, called Pentapox. Unfortunately, the governor of Omashu, the Fire Nation governor, his son accidentally leaves with the citizens. Aang discovers this and he attempts to trade the son for King Bumi. But Princess Azula, Zuko's sister, and her two friends that we meet in this episode, Tai Lee and Mei, she appears and they halt the deal. And after a confrontation with Azula, Aang manages to rescue Bumi, but the city's former ruler allows himself to be recaptured, stating that he must wait for a more appropriate time to escape. He instructs Aang to find an earthbending teacher who, quote, waits and listens. So that is what happened in this episode, Landon. What did you think? Michael, I think I've heard of Pentapox. I think my cousin died of Pentapox. Oh no, I'm your cousin. You've been dead this whole time. <laughs> this this was a fun episode. It was a fun episode. And before we go any further, while we're on the Pentapox, I want to give a shout out to like the MVP villager. Did you see this guy in the Pentapox outbreak? The MVP villager. Are you talking about the one with the peg leg? No. Not him? Is there no. another one? I'm talking about the guy that just straight fell over. Oh yeah, that dude. <laughs> Man, these guys these guys were committed. That that was commitment if I've ever seen it. Uh, I don't know, man. I think the the one with the, the wooden leg is still my favorite. Years of practice. Years of practice. He had all the hard work done for him. Yeah, the middle-aged guy who just straight fell over. <laughs> like like did he even make it out or did he just lay there committing to his character? <laughs> I don't know. He probably like bear crawled out of there or something. He probably was saying, like, okay, I've taken it too far, but I can't go back now. So <laughs> yeah. it's, he's just crawling on his, his, his elbows and such. It's, it's, like, it's like when you do that uh, angry joke with your friends where you, like, pretend to be offended and you get up and leave. And then you have to, like, debate with yourself, do I go back in or, or do I just commit now and never come back? Gosh, I left my phone in there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite part about the Pentapox is how everyone pretended that they may or may not have heard of it. I guess out of fear or something. I think my favorite part was when the governor, uh, mm -hmm. whatever his name was, was just like, Pentapox, I think I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, could, he couldn't admit like the possibility of like, we may have been duped. I think I've heard of Pentapox. It just sounded so much like a real thing. Tell me what you thought about the Fire Nation's takeover of Omashu in this one. Oh, it looked like everything was just kind of stable and a little boring, except for what we saw with the resistance movement. Um, I can't really say much about the takeover because we didn't really get to see them take over, and that's mm -hmm. because later on we learned that King Bumi surrendered, I think, before they even got to the gates. So I don't, I don't know much about the takeover, but so far it looks like, except for the resistance, everything is calm and normal. I don't know much about the citizens of Omashu. I don't know what they're going through. It looks... Who would you say was in the resistance move? Was it like former soldiers and like whatever citizens wanted to get out? Is that 
who you would say was in there? I think it was just anyone who was willing to fight that was also an earthbender, is okay. what it seemed to me. They were just sort of generic. I don't think they were, like, necessarily soldiers. They may have been a part of, like, the King's Guard and stuff like that. But it in the thing with the Resistance, too, it, it seemed like they were fighting more out of principle. Like, the Fire Nation wasn't, like, burning the place down or anything like that. It was more of just, no, this is ours and you can't have it. And the, with when you put Boomy's Surrender on top of that, it, was, it wasn't hostile. Yeah. And it could be, for most of these people, they might have the mindset of, well, we didn't get to fight for Omashu because Boomy's Surrender. We never got the chance to fight for it, so we're fighting mm-hmm. for it now. Yeah. And that, that may be what they're doing. So, thankfully... They do manage to escape, but um, it looks like the city of Omashu is no more. It is now New Ozai. So after after learning about all that history, about the, the formation of Omashu, it is now New Ozai. So what character do you want to start with? I think we can... I, don't, I wouldn't really say there was a lot of Aang in this episode, but I think we could start with Aang and his friends, Sokka and Katara. Yeah, I'd say they were all kind of a, a group this time around they didn't really split off and have separate stories no i I would not say so i guess overall we see at the beginning with ang and Sokka and guitar we pick up right where we left off last episode they're looking at omashu and it's covered in fire nation paraphernalia and such i believe it's Sokka and katara correct me if i'm wrong that let's say like okay we we have to we have to move on and it's ang that wants to go in say no i have to go in i have to find boomy mm-hmm and we see that moment where Sokka says, we don't even know if Boomy's... And Aang's just like, oh, I'll finish that sentence, Sokka. Like, if he's what? So I guess we just kind of see Aang wrestling with the fact that Boomy may be, may be gone, or at least in prison, and he, he can't really accept that fact, because I don't know if Aang... And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know, have we seen... Do we know if Aang knows of any other Earthbender besides Boomy? Not personally, not one that we've... yeah. Not not that we've seen anyway, but yeah, I think this is maybe his only... Boomy's one of the last living people that Aang already knew. So even, you know, there's not a lot of other Earthbenders out there that he's met other than, you know, in their journey now. So, And he, I think Aang even says it's not about Boomy teaching him or being his teacher. It's just the fact that it's his friend. Would you say Boomy was his best friend? Seemed that way. We've heard stories of Aang saying that he used to travel to the Fire Nation and hang out with friends and stuff too. So, uh, you know, just one of his closer friends. Uh, so, yeah. So, we see, at least for Aang and Sokka and Katara, after that, I, I can't really think of anything. They don't really have personal storylines after that. It's really, they're, they're in there. They meet up with the Resistance because the Resistance uh, tried to assassinate the governor's wife uh the governor's daughter may and the infant son of the governor whose name is tom tom mm-hmm. the resistance base it tries to assassinate them by rolling a boulder over them and yes Aang and Sokka and katara they're walking around and they manage to they see what's happening and they stop the boulder and the governor's wife and uh, the two children, well, the daughter mainly, they misinterpret this and they think that Aang and Sokka and Katara were trying to kill them, trying to mm-hmm. assassinate them, and they assume that they're part of the resistance. And then they go on a on a pretty big chase, and eventually the the floor falls out beneath Sokka, Katara, and Aang, and that and they meet up with the resistance in these secret tunnels. Well, the floor doesn't just fall out from under them. They the resistance earth bends the floor out from under them. 
I mean, I know that's what they did. I just don't know how to explain it. I just, it's easier to say the floor fell out underneath. I mean, one one sounds like an accident, and the other one is clear intent, so. I think in the world of Avatar, nothing is an accident. <laughs> so anyway, so that's what happened, and we see Aang really con- convinces the Resistance, hey, like, you don't need to stay here. Like, you need to escape so that you can fight another day. Specifically because they were outnumbered. But hold on, I want to go back to when the Resistance was trying to assassinate the governor's wife and daughter and son. Did Do you think Aang realized what was going on in the moment when he saved them? Because, like, I used, to re- I used to read this scene as, oh, Aang just saw someone random in danger and he did the right thing and saved them. Or was this like, even though he knows they're Fire Nation, but it's not right to kill them kind of thing? Like, I guess mainly did he know they were Fire Nation when he saved them? I think he had to know that they were Fire Nation because of the Fire Nation guards and such. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of the second option you presented where I don't really believe Aang wants to kill anybody. I I don't think that's his way. Yeah, it's definitely not his way. And I think if he can prevent loss of life i think he's going to take that direction whenever he can because i i don't think we we know for a fact that ang would not go out and kill anyone but i don't think he would i also don't think he would stand by and let it happen either yeah not when he, he could do something that's more what i read it this time I, I i had that moment where i was like oh i used to think that it was just random people in danger to him but that yeah this time i was like well it's clear if, Clearly, like, Fire Nation robes being worn, and like you said, the guard was walking with them. Yeah, I feel like he did know, and just did the right thing. It's kind of what this episode is all about, is sort of reinforcing Aang's moral compass, I guess. So yeah, going off of what I said earlier about, like, Aang preventing loss of life, I think that's what his intention is when he tries to convince, or when he successfully convinces the Resistance, like, you you guys need to get out and leave so that you can live to fight another day. And we see that the leader disagrees, but everyone else agrees. And that's when uh, Pentapox comes into play again. That's where Sokka brings up the, the Pentapuses that were... Oh, I guess we should mention that they uh, they got into the city through the sewer system. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big detail we glossed over. But um, yeah, so that's ha- that happened. And they found Pentapuses in the, the sewage system. And they leave marks on the face, like the suckers leave marks on the face when they get stuck to you. So Sokka decides to convince everyone to have the pentapuses suck on your face a little bit and give you the marks. And basically make it look like they're all sick, they're all suffering from an epidemic. So that uh, the guards will just let them pass and let them leave and go out because they don't want to get sick. And it's Which was a pretty, pretty smart plan from Sokka. We see this from time to time with Sokka. He's always sort of the brilliant strategist. So anyways, they escape, uh, but while they're escaping, I believe it's uh, in the middle of the night that they escape, we see Aang doesn't go with him immediately. He goes back into the city to try and look for Boomy, and Aang realizes that they, they're probably keeping Boomy somewhere where he can't earthbend, somewhere made of metal. So, And while everyone's escaping, uh, through some shenanigans with Momo, Tom Tom, the infant son of the governor, somehow finds his way in the crowd of the resistance people as they're faking like they're like they're basically acting like zombies. Yeah. And getting out. And Tom Tom doesn't know any better because I'm sure he's not even two. He just walks out with them. So um 
They, the Resistance unknowingly has the infant son of the governor, of the Fire Nation governor of Omashu, which is, uh, does not bode well for them. Yeah, and so they decide, they decide that they can use Tom Tom to trade for Boomy, which is interrupted by Azula showing up to town with her friends, and we'll get into them in a minute. Boomy's location is revealed, and he is in a metal coffin, like sarcophagus, and and chained like high up on a crane, just like so he's not even touching the ground and all this other stuff. In the fight, you know, that breaks out, Aang manages to free the casket or whatever you want to call it, this prison that Boomy's in. That's when we see his conversation with Boomy and tells him about the three jings. So there was positive jing when you're attacking, negative jing when you're retreating, and that's all that Aang knows about. And what Boomy tells him is there's a third jing, that's neutral jing, and that's where Mm -hmm. you do nothing. Boomy says that is essentially what he is doing. He is doing nothing, and he is waiting and listening for the right time to strike, which is why he surrendered and essentially why he's allowing himself to be to be held captive. Because we see later, in uh, while Aang's escaping with Boomy, Boomy can still earthbend because his head is at, kind of outside the sarcophagus. He can use his face to earthbend, which you, you, uh, you got that that's a unique ability, right? Like, not everybody can probably do that. Mm-hmm. I also got that technically he wasn't touching the earth. Because he was still in the metal thing. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think anyone's ever said you have to be touching the ground to earthbend. But we ha- I don't think we've seen it yet. Yeah, but he was close enough to it to manipulate it. And he could have he gotten out the whole time. He could have fought back. But yeah, he's practicing neutral Jing. And this is where he tells Aang that he is not going to be his teacher. And that his teacher will be someone who has mastered neutral Jing. Someone who waits and listens. So what what was your reaction when you found out Boomy wasn't going to be his teacher? I mean, I was I was kind of sad. I was looking forward to that dynamic of Boomy being uh, Aang's earthbending master. So I don't know, kind of sad. But I'll look forward to. I guess we're gonna meet some new earthbenders that could teach Aang. I guess a question for you: Do you think Boomy has mastered Neutral Jing? Or is this his attempt to try and master it? That's a good question. I don't really know. It, he seems he seems well practiced in it. Like he 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 didn't hesitate to implement it. I I don't know. I'm just wondering because he's uh, he specifically says uh, your master will be someone who has successfully mastered nu- the art of neutral Jing. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of thought I I don't know, maybe just the way he said it. It maybe sounded like he doesn't think he's mastered it yet. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could interpret it that way. I don't see... I guess it could kind of go either way. I've never thought about it before. It's a good question. Oh, so maybe Boomy doesn't think he's ready to teach Aang. I don't know. I'm could just kind of reading into the layers. Uh, I I would love to see an episode where Boomy does finally uh, strike. Yeah. I, w- I would love to see what, what that would look like. Also, you gotta you got to imagine... He's one of the craziest captives you could ever have. Because it, oh, it really yeah. looks like he wants to be captive. <laughs> Especially at the end where he's like, all right, bye, Aang. And he just, he's on like the, the earth shoot and he just gets a boulder to roll him back up. And he's just laughing <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. But I, I kind of like that 
Boomy's not going to be his teacher because there was this perceived notion that season two is going to mirror season one in a way where it's like, well, let's go find this specific person or this specific teacher. And it very quickly turns that on its head by, for one thing, not taking a whole season to get back to Amashu. And then once you get there saying, oh, I'm not going to be your teacher. And so it, it mixes up the formula a little bit rather than just trying to copy what worked before. I'm glad they did that because I don't, I don't want to see a carbon copy of season one. And mm-hmm. it looks like, um, it looks like they're not going to do that. And I, I, I have to applaud. I have to applaud the showrunners. I think it's about time. Oh, I guess we should go ahead and say they do bring Tom Tom back to the yes. governor and his wife. Again, it reinforces Aang always doing the right thing. Yes, they bring Tom Tom back. Also, I I just have to say Tom Tom is not a good name for the Avatar universe. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it stood out. It does stand out. Because you can tell all the names are distinct, and it looks to be like they have um, a bit of an Asian influence. And then you, I don't, and I don't know if Tom Tom has a history in Asian culture or such, but it doesn't sound like it does. So it just feels out of place. That be that would be like at the end of the season, uh, Katara and Sokka come to Aang and it's like, uh, Aang, we found you, an Earthbender who can teach you. Oh, what what is his name, Katara? His name is Tanner. <laughs> he will teach you along with his assistant, Bryce. <laughs> You're like, just it just doesn't fit. It's just it's out of the norm when what we've already established with with um with Avatar. Yeah. All the names are distinct, they're memorable, they're they're really cool sounding. We got Aang, Sokka, Katara, Zuko, Iroh, and then just Tom Tom. Yeah, I can uh I can see that. I kind of agree. So hopefully we do not. I don't. I don't want to hear any more Toms or Tom Tom in Avatar. That went through my head while watching this episode. So let's get into Azula. I really enjoyed watching her gather her friends back together. Which coincidentally, one of them just happened to be an Omashu, which was May. She wasn't even looking for Aang at the time. Like she, this, this was to gather her friends. Uh. Ty Lee and May back together to find her brother and Uncle Iroh. Yeah, and I think when she's gathering Ty Lee, she just says uh, her they're looking for her uncle. She mm-hmm. doesn't mention Zuko. Right. Not not sure why, but later on, they Ty Lee and May find out they're also looking for Zuko and the Avatar. And the Avatar, yes. So yeah, uh, we see Azula sitting on the ship with her old lady advisors who. I don't know the names of, so that's who they shall be. And we see her advisors convince her that traveling with the royal procession, which I guess just means traveling with Fire Nation army and on a Fire Nation ship, Mm -hmm. isn't wise in her search for the Avatar or in her search for Zuko and Iroh. Mm -hmm. So she decides, okay, I need a small elite team. And that's when we meet uh, Tai Lee at the circus. Azula goes and meets her at the circus and... And we learned that they went to the Royal Fire Academy for Girls together, but Ty Lee, for some reason, has run off to the circus. And she and Azula tries to convince Ty Lee that, okay, 
Uh, come with me. I'm on a search for my, my, my fuddy-duddy uncle. And I, I would like to have you with me. And uh, t we see Tai Lee. It's like, um, no, I, I think I found my calling here at the circus. And Azula says, okay, that's fine. And I think I'm going to catch your show tonight. And we, we see a, a pretty, a look of panic on Tai Lee's face, which is pretty telling, I think, for the character of Azula mm -hmm. more than anything else. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. And I want to talk about Azula's plan here to get Ty Lee to leave the circus. What exactly happened? Because Ty Lee says that she does want to come with Azula because the universe has given her other signs. Uh, she's lying. She's lying. Totally lying. You think Ty Lee is lying? Uh, yeah. Because All right, so this is what I was wondering. I was like, does she think that the circus turned on her? By setting the net on fire, like, does she know Azula did that? In my heart of hearts, I believe Ty Lee knows that Azula was doing that. We In this episode, we kind of see Azula is very manipulative. Yes. Like, especially during this scene. Ty Lee is balancing on a thin wire on top of, like, a bunch of furniture or whatever, which is already really tough, and Azula tries to convince the, the ringleader of the circus, like, what if we remove the net and... The ringmaster is basically agreeing to whatever her suggestions because she is... He was hesitant on removing the net. Yeah, he was hesitant on that, but he really agreed to the rest of them because she is the daughter of the Fire Lord. Yeah. And so it's, she says, yeah, you know, maybe removing the net, so that would not be too fun. What if we set it on fire? And the ringmaster, if we can see the ringmaster sweating, mm -hmm. and she's like, oh, of course, and... Like, what about all your exotic animals? Uh, well, we have a wide assortment. Like, release them all. Yeah. And we just hear whatever. And there's a shot. It cuts to Ty Lee balancing. And we see that she's sweating and she is nervous. So the way I read the whole scene is Azula is going to stay there as long as she needs to. And she's going to make Ty Lee's life very difficult by making these, like, outrageous demands and just really overcomplicating and really, I guess, just stressing out Ty Lee mm -hmm. to the point where Ty Lee eventually just says yes. That That's how I read it. So when Ty Lee eventually says, like, the universe is giving me strong hints to go with you, like, to me, I'm reading into it as, like, uh, I know you're not going to stop until you get what you want. Okay. So that that's how I saw it. So, yeah, Ty Lee is totally lying in that scene. All right. I like it. I like it. And then we see Azula show up at New Ozai to recruit May and just happens to get involved with the hostage negotiation and finds out that the Avatar is there. And this this struck me as Azula was not looking for the Avatar, so she didn't like immediately take over Z Zuko's place or Zhao's place. She's literally just out there to bring Zuko and Iroh home for being traitors. And it almost felt to me like... Azula didn't even realize the Avatar was back, or at least did not take the rumors seriously or something, because this was their first encounter, and, and she didn't add the Avatar to her list of, you know, goals until the end of this episode when she found out, because she had this look of surprise on her face when she found out the Avatar was there. Well, I think, I think she did know of the Avatar, because I think it was in, like, episode one or so... She she tells Zuko like father blames you for the, the the loss of the Avatar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
I don't think her number one priority is catching the Avatar like Zuko's was. I think it's more the Fire Lord sent her to get Zuko and Iroh. And I guess in this episode, the Avatar is just an added bonus. He just happens to be there mm-hmm. more by, by bad luck or, or fate at some point. And so she just adds him to her, her list of objectives to do. So I think she did know of the Avatar, but I don't think she concerned herself with the Avatar until she realized, oh, I just happened on the Avatar. It'll be really easy to track him from from this point on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could get Zuko, Iroh, and the Avatar all in one go. I, I, I think she would try and do that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about May. She's the daughter of the governor now at New Ozai. She's very bleak. She's she's very bored. When Azula comes to town to ask her to join her in her search for Zuko, she agrees quickly, am I right? Oh yeah, she agrees pretty quickly. I think her line when Azula arrives is, please tell me that you're here to kill me. And then they giggle <laughs> and hug. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? My question to you, are May and Ty Lee firebenders? No. Okay, so they, they, were, they just grew up in the Fire Nation. Yes, and that's what I was going to talk about is that May seems they they both seem to be very elite in in combat because we see with May she is able to throw like ninja stars and little arrow darts with extreme precision and very quickly so it's less hand to hand and more of a ranged attacker and then we see with Tai Lee she did something very interesting which was she was able to stop Katar from waterbending by what the Avatar universe refers to as chi blocking. Chi blocking? Mm-hmm. I guess what was your reaction when that happened? What did you think was happening or had happened? Uh, I thought that was very interesting, and I, I like the idea that there's a way to stop someone from bending if you know mm-hmm. what to do. Kind of evens the playing field a little bit for non-benders. And it makes sense because uh, we see Tylee. Tylee is very acrobatic. Mm-hmm. And I think she is, we see with May, she's good with the, the throwing star, so she's better for a little long-range attack, and she can get in close combat with a knife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we see with Tai Lee, she's more, she's better in close-quarter combat than anything else. So if she gets close enough to you, she can hit you at pressure points and block your chi. So I think this is one of the most well-rounded groups that I've ever seen in in, in like any media. Because you have the manipulative leader, who's probably one of the most skilled benders in combat. You have the sort of mopey and cynical Mei, who's very skilled at ranged attacks. And then you have Tai Lee, who's very peppy and upbeat and is the fast, agile, close combat fighter. And it's just a very interesting skill group and personality group to all have together as this elite team. Yeah, overall, I really did like the group. I, I like the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess um, something I did find fascinating about this episode is that Aang doesn't know who's, who Azula is. She doesn't. He doesn't know that Zuko has a sister, and right, the sister yes. is now hunting him and such. Right. Which I, I thought was fascinating. Uh, surely there's going to be a moment where Aang will find out. Oh yeah, anyway, so we find out, at least at the end, that it turns out May and Zuko might have a history. Did you catch that, Landon? Yes, Azula hints at the fact that they may have used to have crushes on each other or something. Or at least May did on Zuko. Is that the end where uh, 
Tylee said, oh, so we're going for Zuko as well. And won't that be fun to meet Zuko again, May? And we see May just kind of look away and kind of smile a little bit to herself. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's odd to see on that woman. But, yes. Uh, I, I, it's going to be so funny. It's like, that woman is a killing machine. And the idea that Zuko is her weak spot is so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a testament to the writing and, and character development on the show is that you can see the potential in these new characters already. They're going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to more of Azula and her gang as they face off against Aang and his gang. So one more thing about Azula before we move on. What did you think about her blue fire? I liked her blue fire. Is there any particular reason why it's blue? Is it is it because she harnesses lightning bending more than anything else? Is that why it's blue? No. See, I've always thought... I don't think we ever get a definitive reason that I know of or that I can remember. So what I've always thought about her blue fire is that if you look at actual fire, blue is the hottest fire. And she just seems to have a lot more rage and anger and intent with her bending. And so I think it just comes out hotter. That's that's what I've always interpreted that as. But it gives her a very nice, unique uh, flair to her fighting. It does. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was very distinct. Especially, you know there's going to be a fight where Zuko and Iroh face off against Azula. And you're just going to have so much fire going around. Uh, you you don't know who whose fire is who, so mm-hmm. it'll be easy to make the make it distinct in that fight with blue fire. So, what kind of world development did we get in this episode? To me, the biggest world development is the Royal Fire Academy for girls. Mm-hmm. So that ex- that exists. Uh, at, at least, I guess we're getting a little hint at the society of the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. At least for the royal society because i i assume because we know we know azula is the daughter of the fire lord that means that may and ty lee are the children of someone apparently important enough that they would grow up with the daughter of the fire lord yeah that they were that they were existing friends that grew up together yeah and then like i guess with may her father got appointed this governorship at uh, Omashu, so he must have been some sort of high-ranking military official, probably worked his way up through the ranks, just sort of the uh, the elite and the rich of the Fire Nation, I guess. So that was that was the biggest moment for me, and then I guess uh, the little thing about Boomy being able to earthbend without technically touching the ground, or being mm-hmm. able to earthbend with just his head. Just, yeah, just his face, and yeah. Very, very unique to the point where I don't think we'll ever see it again. And then also, um, of course, uh, the chi blocking from Ty Lee. Yeah, that's a big one. That that opens the door to, I guess, more even playing fields for combat when you're fighting benders. It's like, well, how you know, how can anyone without powers ever fight someone with powers? And it's like, well, this person has this ability to take the powers away temporarily. One of the things I noticed was they mentioned that the Fire Nation's reach has gotten further because they've reached Omashu. Like, I think Aang says something. I Omashu always seemed like it was untouchable. Like, I didn't think the Fire Nation had made it this far out. So it, it almost sounds like this uh, 
like central spread that is just moving outward in the world, and they finally got to Omashu. But then Sokka also says, now Ba Sing Se is the only Earth Kingdom stronghold left. I guess that means that they're on their way to Ba Sing Se then. I don't really know yet. I, they didn't really say I mean, where they if, were headed next. If, if they're on, if they're looking for an Earthbender, Ba Sing Se seems like the next logical step, or the next logical location in their journey. True. I, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So we saw that Omashu fell pretty easily, but we also learned that that's because Bumi surrendered. Mm-hmm. Do you think if Bumi chose to fight that, that Omashu would have held its ground? I think it could have, but I also think a lot of people would have been casualties in the process. And I, I, and I think that's why Bumi surrendered. He knew what the outcome was and that this was not the time to fight. Yeah. Can you imagine? I feel like the Fire Nation would have given up if Bumi himself led the charge. Because they would have just not known what was coming. They just would have not known what was coming. <laughs> yeah. You just see Boomy, he's he's shirtless and he's ripped and jacked like he was in season one and he's just riding Flopsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine Boomy's the type who could be like set on fire and still maniacally laughing as he charges towards you. I, I have to imagine that if Boomy chose to fight, he could have held his own and probably defeated the Fire Nation. Yeah. But I, I guess we'll never see that. All right, and so our plot moves forward with the revelation that Boomy will not be teaching Aang and that Azula now has Aang in her sights along with Zuko and Iroh. Well, yeah, I think it all wraps up quite nicely, and I'm looking yeah. forward to another episode. Especially, I, I would love to see more of Tylee and May because I like their dynamic, especially with Azula. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. If you've enjoyed listening, please leave us a review if you'd be so kind, and possibly subscribe if you have enjoyed multiple episodes so you don't miss anything. All right, tell us what next week's episode is, Michael. All right, so Landon, next week's episode will be episode four, The Swamp. And when the kids end up in a mysterious and strange swamp, their fears are exposed. Okay, so that's um, that's rather straightforward. Sounds like we may be getting to some spirit shenanigans, maybe. Might be so. It, it kind of, I don't know, for, for reading that, it kind of sounds like a filler episode, to me at least. It's just like, here's an, mm-hmm. an adventure they go on while they're, well, I don't know what their journey technically is for after this episode. I guess they're, they're on the look for a, a new Earthbender, but they're not going to one place. That is kind of the thing, is that Boomy didn't give them anywhere to go. Like, we had in season one this constant, even though they got distracted, was always, you know, you revert back to headed towards the North Pole, headed towards the North Pole. And this one, they were going to Boomy, and now they don't have anywhere specific to go. I can only imagine that they, they some, there's some dialogue about what their next step is between, between the three of them of figuring out where to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting because that was left out of this episode. All right. Join us next week for The Swamp. What is going on down there? I saw some kids yesterday who were sick with pentapox. It must have spread. Pentapox? Hmm, I'm pretty sure I've heard of that.